welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, thank you, Rena, for this chance. Um, this is my first time to speak and also use this app, so um, nervous and um, excited at the same time. Um, so my story, I wanted to first talk about um, fear, and before I do that, I need to identify myself as a sex addict because sometimes I tend to forget that I am one, so I am a last addict and I'm a sex addict. I've always acted out through masturbation, and since last year, 15th September, um, I restarted my sobriety journey with the help of SA and my life has totally, totally changed and I'm so grateful. Um, so fear, fear is what led me to SA in the first place. I was afraid that somebody will find out that I have been acting out. Um, I come from a very religious background and I serve in the church and so I felt dirty that I could not control my urges as I called them then and um, I had tried doing it by myself to stop acting out for a whole year but it didn't work out. In fact the relapse is what led me to SA because I relapsed and then um, I reset my sobriety again and then after a month I relapsed again which I think in my period was my worst because I went looking out for porn. Um, it was not new, but it was for me an extreme because I have never, I never used to look for porn, but for this particular um, situation, I ended up doing that. I've always been sexually active for as young as I can remember. I started watching inappropriate adult shows when I was a kid. Um, here in Kenya, they used to air shows that had some bit of explicit scenes uh, at night from 10, 11. And my mom would encourage me sometimes to watch them. And then when the sex scenes or the kissing scenes were there, she would tell me to close my eyes. So I, I initially, I didn't feel like it was a problem, but I would want to copy whatever I would see. And so when I would play um, games with my friends, at that time probably it was like five years or something, I would try to copy what I saw on the shows and then um, do the same thing. And I didn't even understand what I was doing, but I knew it was an adult thing and it was bad. So I always hid it. Um, one of the incidents I remember being caught playing that game was um, we had this lady who worked in our house and me and 
a kid, we were playing some games, this, this inappropriate games, and she found us without our um, underwear, and, and she told us that, you know, it was wrong. So I knew that it was wrong, but it didn't stop me. So I kept on playing these inappropriate games. We moved houses. Um, my parents um, separated at the time. I was like eight years, and the new place where my mom got, um, it was, I can say there was a bit of freedom, but I still continue to play the inappropriate games. Only this time I did it by myself because I was a very imaginative kid. I would come up with friends and situations in my head and then act them out. So for the longest time, I thought I was married to this imaginary guy called Billy. And um, my mom never knew about it, but I would act out and try to kiss walls and stuff, <laughs> pretending that um, this is Billy and I'm his wife. Um, so I went on and on for a while, and then I think I was almost hitting my teenage years. I'm not very sure, but I started, um, I, I think that must have been the first time for me to have masturbated and had a very different effect than previously because at the times it was just, you know, fun, copying what I saw. But this time around, I noticed there was something different and it felt good. But again, out of fear, I did it when everybody was asleep. I would do it when nobody was seeing me because, you know, it, it's, it's a bad thing. I knew it was a bad thing. And I was so twisted that I remember highlighting every part in the Bible that had a sexual scene. And I would, that, that's how I was feeding my lust. But at the time, I didn't know that was lust. So I went on and on in high school. I was still acting out on myself, but um, I, I would hide it. And I remember just before I finished high school, there was, a, there was this girl who I was in an all-girls school. Nothing happened with other girls. But um, just before, because I was in a boarding school, just before um, we went back home, this girl's diary was found and she was talking about how she can't stop masturbating and stuff. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that could be me. But it still didn't stop me from um, from wanting to change or, or stopping to masturbate. I still went on and on. Um, I think in Compass, that's when now I transitioned from sex itself to sex with others. And I, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd. I knew from the start that they were the wrong kind of friends, but I didn't care. So I started um, going out with these guys. I didn't act out with any of them, but I would give them hand jobs. I would do stuff, and, and I wasn't happy about it. But again, out of fear, I was not telling anyone. I wasn't, um, during the day, I was this, good girl, but at night I, I was doing stuff that I didn't, I wasn't proud of. So I think in my second year in university, that's when I met this guy um, who had multiple partners and he told me that, you know, he couldn't commit to a relationship, but I thought it was all fun. So I got involved with him and would sleep together 
but it still didn't give me the satisfaction. So I would um, end up masturbating at the end, and I realized he wasn't for me. So we broke up of a bugger. But the real reason was that I felt like um, he wasn't doing it for me. So I I ended up um, getting into another relationship, and this one was really a big deal because I thought we were getting married because we dated until I finished university and then two more years when we got jobs and stuff. So in this relationship, um, we had unprotected sex, and the first year into this relationship, I ended up getting pregnant. And out of fear, again, I aborted, and this guy, um, he tried to convince me to keep it, but I felt like if my parents found out, they would kill me, and also I didn't want to ruin the good girl image that I had. So it was a no-brainer for me. I needed to abort, and um, he found me somebody who did it. Thank God nothing serious happened to me. But it's something that I've carried with me that that's the extreme of that relationship and my behavior. But still, having this guy in my life, it wasn't enough for me to stop acting out. So I would still masturbate. And I remember um, just a year before we broke up, I told him that I I masturbate, and he told me the same thing. So um, it turned out that he is also um, an addict, but he was covering it up because there was some stuff that he would request me to do that were really extreme. Um, but eventually that relationship ended out because he ended up cheating on me. And I didn't blame me at the time because I thought that I wasn't able to perform in bed and stuff. Um, but I felt bad that that relationship had led me to abort. Um, yeah, to, to abort. So um, fast forward, um, I still went on masturbating. But again, I would hide it. I would plan it. I, I went to the extreme of acting out in at work, and, and it would bring me so much shame that I could not control myself. So I kept on wondering, what is it with me that I'm so addicted to this? At the time, I didn't think I was addicted, but I knew I couldn't stop. Um, so I kept on acting out, and then I'll tell myself, okay, this year I will change. Every new year I would make a resolution that I would stop acting out, but it wouldn't last longer than a month, and then I would go back and um, act out with myself. So until last year, I I was so desperate. I, I, I remember I took a whole week from work, I was, and... It's there that I knew I had a problem because I went looking for porn. My imagination used to feed my lust to masturbate. So this time around, I went looking for porn. And for me, that was like an indicator that something was wrong and I needed help. So I went and Googled um, sex addicts, even though I didn't think I was one. But out of the 20 questions that are usually highlighted on SA.org, I answered 15 yes. And for me, that was like, I'm definitely one of, um, one of the addicts. 
So I was so afraid of going to a face-to-face -face meeting that I ended up signing for um, SANET, which is the email version of SA, because I was afraid that I'd find my ex there. Um, so I, I joined and I found my sponsor through the program um, and she's been working with me. Right now we're working on steps eight and nine and there's some amends that I'm making. One of them that I need to make is to my ex, but there's a deep part of me that still is full of resentment. Again, still on the fear side because I'm afraid of seeing him. I'm afraid that if I see him, I'm, I might do stuff. Um, not good stuff, but stuff that might trigger me back to my addiction. And it's something that my sponsor and I are working on. Um, so currently, I'm working on the program. My, um, my home group is a Zoom meeting that happens in... Um, in Singapore actually but it has people around the world and it happens during the time that's very convenient for me because evening I live with my sister uh, we share a house so at night it's very hard for me to join a meeting because we want to catch up and also I don't want her to know about this so even today um, I'm in the office because I wanted to be comfortable enough to tell exactly what is happening. Um, yeah, so I've been working the program. I am working with this issue of fear, and there are four things I wanted to share that are helping me um, in addition to, to what I'm learning in the program. So I call them the four R's, and the four R's are, the first R is recognize. So I... I recognize when I'm afraid. I was a bit afraid of getting into this meeting, but I shared that with my, my sponsor and she helped me um, deal with it. Um, I was afraid of joining SA, but so far so good. I'm afraid of bumping into my ex. I'm afraid one day I will have to tell my family or something. But the first thing for me is to recognize that there is fear. And then the second, um, R is a uh, uh, release, which is pretty much like surrender. And for me, release, release means vocalizing whatever fear that is in me. Um, if I'm afraid of doing a job or I'm afraid of doing something or being in a situation or somebody, I need to vocalize it. And the way I vocalize is through prayer is also by telling my sponsor that I'm, I'm feeling like this and eventually reaching out to a fellow woman and um, sometimes writing it out. So that's my way of releasing, which is surrender. The third R is replace. So because fear has taken a, fit, a, a root, a seat in, in my mind and in my world, it needs to be replaced when some when it's removed, and the best way I've learned how to um, replace it is by thinking about good thoughts and also remembering that my higher power has always been there in the past. He's seen me through. He helped me join this program. He's helped me feel comfortable. He's helped me 
meet other women who have similar problems. And so for me, that's my way of replacing fear. Um, the fourth R is repeat. Sometimes I forget. As I started this meeting, I said, I forget that I'm an addict. Sometimes when things are going so well for me and I'm feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm really doing so good, I tend to forget that I'm an addict. I tend to forget that if I don't rely on my higher power, I would not be okay. I tend to forget that um, my problem, as much as I say it's small, it's actually a problem. It's 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 a problem. That's it. So I need to keep on repeating all these three R's so that I can be able to be sane. And when I do that, I incorporate the steps. I incorporate um, talking to my sponsor, reading essay literature and my faith-based literature, and um, also praying, it really helps. The other day, I learned how to um, meditate. And I'm still not good at it, but it's something that I'm working on, and it's really good because it helps me to slow down the thoughts, especially when I'm afraid that, you know, this won't happen. So I need to, like, slow down, take it easy, take in a deep breath, and remember that good things will happen. And so far, I can say that um, I'm feeling like I'm a better person as opposed to how I was a year ago. And um, I noticed that, especially when I'm dealing with my sister, I noticed that when I'm dealing with my work colleagues, with my friends, there's a lot of change. And I'm forever grateful for what SA has done. And, yeah, I think my time is up, so... Yeah, that's it. All right, everyone. This was Cowie in Kenya. What fantastic recovery. I got so much out of that chair. And I want to say again, thank you very, very much for your service today. And now we're going to go into Q&A. But first, a few rules of the road. We have a full 25 minutes for Q&A. So um, definitely take advantage of that advantage of that. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing. How to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No cross-talk please, which means interrupting, giving advice, or criticizing someone else's share or question. If you feel someone is getting too explicit, you may so signify by saying my hand is raised, at which point I will consult a group conscience. Okay, so if you have a question for Cowie, K-A-W-Y, our speaker today from Kenya, please unmute yourself, announce your name and what state you're calling from or country you're calling from, and ask a brief question. You'll have to press star six to unmute. Yeah, this is Donnie from Virginia. Yes, Donnie, go ahead. Um, Cowie, uh, if I understood you correctly, you mentioned uh, using meditation as a way to uh, 
to deal with this. What what does that consist of for you? Uh, is did is it something you do? You kind of the format. Uh, is it kind of something you do on your own? Did you buy a book? Uh, if you could explain a little bit, that would be great. It would be very helpful for me. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Sonny. Um, I think two or three months ago, there's this guy called Jason C. from Australia. He was sharing in, um, in my home group meeting, and he talked about um, meditation. And I was very curious about it because I had a misinterpretation of what meditation was all about. So I reached out to him, and he sent me this um link to YouTube that helps you to meditate. But also, during the meeting, he told us that meditation is uh, a process of slowing down our thoughts because I can be very obsessive with thoughts, especially if I'm planning for something. I tend to get into my head and stay there, and there's all these thoughts coming in, and sometimes it can be an overload. So I like the idea of slowing down my thoughts, especially when it comes to um, fear. So um, he sent me this link, and it's like a 15-minute audio or something. And I've tried to incorporate a part of it, not fully, but a part of it. So my day starts with me waking up very early. I prefer starting my day with my higher power. say around 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. And I start with a word of prayer and then I read um, a faith-based literature and then I pray. I have this thing called a prayer bowl where it's different notes of random things that pop up in my head. It could be even a person. So I just take one of them and then read out. Sometimes it could be a person, so I'll pray over that person. And then once I do that, I read another literature. And then, now this is where the meditation comes in, I take a moment to just sit and stay still and breathe, take deep breaths, and follow some of the guidelines in that link, um, which entails basically like 10 minutes of total silence, incorporating the sound around your area with that silence, um, taking deep breaths in and out, and um, just having that moment of clarity. And what I've seen is that every time I do that, the stuff that I read in the morning tend to stick with me. And along the day, when somebody triggers me, like maybe I'm on the road, I'm driving, and somebody just comes and speeds up or hoots, I tend to be very calm. And I've noticed it's because I've been doing this. So it has changed my whole demeanor and how um, I relate with other people. I don't know if I've answered your questions, but yeah, that's my experience. No, that's great. Thank you very much. All right, Donnie, thank you for your question. Donnie from Virginia. Who would like to be next to ask our speaker, Cowie, a question?
uh, you'd have to press star six to unmute your line. I'll ask a question. Um, you talk about growing up very religious and being involved um, in your religious community and still not being able to stop. So I, I wonder, did you ever try to go to anyone, uh, any religious person for help? Um, thanks, Raina. Huh. I can't honestly say if I did or not because I tend to block out some parts of my life if they were either hurtful or they didn't stand out um, but I remember in high school there was this group of missionaries that came and I kind of told them I don't know if I did but I kind of may have um, told them but then again um, my culture does not advocate for, I can't say like advocate, but sex is a taboo topic. We don't talk about it in my family. We don't talk about um, it with um, people who are older than us. It's something that, that's a conversation that we usually have with peers or people of your age group. So it's, it was a very difficult thing to bring it up, especially in a church setting, um, because I, I would feel like somebody would just, you know, condemn me or something. So I kept, I kept that secret very hidden. Um, if at all I wanted to reach out to somebody, I don't think I would have because I was too afraid to talk about it. There was no, um, there wasn't a space to do that um, and I think also my fear of somebody's knowing that oh this very squeaky clean disciplined girl has this problem I was so so afraid so maybe that may have led me to not reach out to a religious person to help me out thank you so much if anyone else would like to ask a question, please press star six to unmute. Hello, this is Bruce, Massachusetts. Go ahead, Bruce. Thanks. Thanks for your share. That was great. Um, in your like, like relapsing, you've you've had. Re this is, I just got to ask this quick before I ask the question. But you've had relapses trying to get sober, haven't you? I've not had a relapse in SA. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I was going to ask, like, if you were planning on it or almost did, did you? Like, I've had so many relapses, and I realize I think the biggest thing lately that I've been realizing, talking about R's, realizing and reflecting on, is the big R, rebellion. I I think my biggest thing is I rebel against God, my higher power who helps me so much. Um, and I also play God. And my when I was doing this fourth, uh, fourth step in AA, which I'm getting back into, 
my sponsor just, you know, in, in a joking way, let, just let me realize I was still playing God. But, yeah, so I don't know if you have any, any, any experience with just, you know, about the concept of rebelling against your higher power. And if so, um, like what you did to have success with that, even more importantly. Thanks. Okay. Uh, thanks, Bruce. Um, well, let me start by saying this, that I joined SA, but I was very desperate. I was ready to do anything and everything they told me. And so um, when I did my first share, um, the first person told me that you need to get a sponsor. I did not know what a sponsor was because this is my first 12-step program. And when, you know, he told me that, I, I reached out to the first woman who reached out to me and asked her to be my sponsor. So this woman, she told me, you need to get a, um, a white book, you need to attend meetings, you need to um, reach out to other women, and you need to reach out to me. And all of this stuff that she was telling me at first, again, I did not understand, I, but I was so desperate that I would, if she had told me that I needed to drink um, water with eggs, I would have done it. I was, I was desperate. So I've been doing what the fellows ahead of me have told me. If I go to a meeting and I hear, again, like, the example of meditation, if I hear that this and this is working for a person, I will try it. Because I have been at the rock bottom in my situation, and I wouldn't want to go back. But having said that, um, in this program, I have suffered from a lot of sexual dreams, um, especially, again, I'm a woman, so during ovulation and very triggered and that has been a very big challenge it was especially in my first month in in an essay and my sponsor encouraged me to pray before i sleep and then reach out to other women at first it was very hard for me to do that because i'm i'm i don't use whatsapp for essay so I had very limited women that I could reach out and I'd not made um, contact with the women in my country. So that was a problem. But I still reached out anyway to the two or three women that I knew. And it helped me a lot. I, I, I didn't understand why I needed to do it, but I did it anyway. So the thing that has kept me from relapsing at the moment I don't know how the future looks like, but I have relapsed before SA. I have relapsed without SA. And the difference is the tools that I have right now, I didn't have them. I didn't know that I can talk out my feelings. I didn't know that I can go to my higher power with just vocalizing anything. I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, I didn't have to carry the issues that I'm going through, that I can tell somebody else because I was very used to stuffing my feelings. So those are the differences that I've spotted and I feel like they have really helped me with um, not relapsing or experiencing a situation where I feel like I, I would want to act out. There are all these tools, and I'm using them even when I don't understand because I'm that desperate. 
Kevin in California, I got a question. Yeah, go. Kevin in California, go ahead. And there's somebody else. I, I'm not sure who that was, but you can go next after Kevin. Go ahead, please. I was just saying thank you. Okay, Bruce. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, Kevin in California, thank you, Cowie, for your uh, share. Appreciate it. Um, I, question, I got a question for you. Um, I didn't catch how long you've been sober and in recovery. That's one. And number two... Uh, it sounds like you've got a very creative mind, which is really cool. Uh, do you still have uh, fantasies changed, or are you still, is that still something that uh, you're tempted to do is be into, into fantasies? That's my question. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Calvin. Um I joined SA on 23rd of September, but before that, I was seven days sober. So I've been um, in SA for less than a year, but I've been sober for, um, this week will be my one year um, sober. So that's pretty impressive for me. Um, you'll hang on, let me just remember. Oh, yeah. So, yes. I have a lot of imagination, and I realized that they were my imagination was also fed with with the stuff that I consume. So I'm a huge book reader, and I love movies. But the kind of books that I used to read were romantic movies, and they have explicit scenes. But I would read them because I would form them all in my head. And I didn't see that as a problem. And then also the movies that I watched, some of them were pretty basic in terms of they didn't have like explicit scenes, but my mind would fill up the stuff that I didn't see. I would go on imagining. So along the program, um, I had to ditch um, reading books that are explicit. I had to ditch reading romantic books. Um, I stopped watching movies that have explicit scenes. I literally watch PG-rated stuff. Um, for the the part that I'm still working on is uh, watching music that has explicit scenes. So that is still something that is being worked on. But I don't watch movies that have um, naked people and stuff. And that's because I know that whenever I see these things, I end up storing them and I can have the ability to play them out. Um, my sponsor has a very strict sobriety definition, which also includes entertaining lust. So if I find myself having a lust hit and I entertain it, that is a relapse. And because, again, I'm so desperate, I, whenever I notice that I'm getting a last hit, and then, um, yeah, whenever I see I'm, I'm getting a last hit, I try not to entertain it. And that's, that's by, there's somebody in, a, in another meeting who said that whenever you're about to think about something inappropriate, try and pray for that person and ask God to give you his eyes 
that you can see that person in God's eyes, which is very daunting if you think about it. And so um, that's one of the things I've been doing. Like whenever I'm getting a lasted and and I want to get into fantasy, I pray for God to give me His eyes and see this person in his eyes um, also the second thing is I pray about it and tell my sponsors that I'm feeling like this and I don't want to do this so um, I just text I just text her sometimes but so far that's been my um, way of handling imagination I don't know if I answered your question but yeah All right, Kevin in California, we still have about seven minutes left for uh, questions, so let's get to it. If you'd like to ask, now is your time. So I'll I'll jump in with a quick question. How do you deal with replacing the fear? Because those are third R, recognize, release, replace, and repeat. So what else do you replace it with other than thoughts? Are there any activities that you do to also um, replace the sense of fear after you surrender it to God? Oh, thanks, Rene. Uh, let's see. Okay, so when I was doing step six and seven, this is list uh, my sponsor shared with me um, for defects and assets. And on the first list, the assets was um, trusting God. Um, can't remember much of that rest, but the main part was trusting God. And some sometimes it's easier to dwell on the fear than trust Him. And so... Um, for me, what I have seen is that I have to remind myself of the past. Like, let me give you a scenario. This year, um, at the end of the year, I will be stepping down in my position at work. And no, I'm not being fired, but it's because I've been in this organization for eight years and I feel like I need change because I've hit my limit in the organization. And I'm stepping down without having another job um, backed up and there's that fear that keeps on cropping up and there's that thing that oh what will you do when um, you quit this job what will happen to you what will happen to your finances and the kind of lifestyle that you've been living and so whenever I'm having this fear I I've learned how to remind myself that prior to getting this job I had another one and I didn't know I would get this job. So if my higher power was still working with me at the time, he can still work with me now, especially the fact that I'm in essay, because I feel like in 
all my years, this is the best version of myself I've ever been. So that has to count something for it. So I tend to remind myself of the past situations I've been through where I felt like they were impossible. And that helps me replace the fear that I have and focus on something better. It doesn't naturally take place. It, it needs a lot of working out because um, I have to really dig deep and be, be in a place where I can remind myself. But eventually when I get to that, it helps. The second thing is being grateful um, because I have a board that has been very supportive, a boss that has been very supportive, um, a career that has helped me grow and see um, different places and stuff. So whenever I'm thinking about those things, it makes me very grateful and to some way helps me counter the fear that I may have. Yeah, so those two things. Wow, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. We have time for one more question before the break for announcements, so please come on in. Press star six to mute, announce yourself and your location, and ask your question. This is Arthur in Alaska. Go ahead, Arthur. Do you continue to date? Oh. I, I don't know how to answer that, but, well, I haven't dated since my ex broke up, and that's because I, I was trying to deal with the emotions, so right now I feel like I'm ready to date, but I'm surrendering the kind of person I would want to date to God, because he does a better job at picking people than I can. So right now I would want, but it has to come from my higher power. I see. Well, did you marry your ex? Oh, no. God, no. Um, we didn't get to that. Yeah, we didn't get to that. Um, so I've not been married, um, and I'm not married. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Arthur. And now we're going to go to announcements. But first, I want to say a very, very warm thank you to our speaker today, Kawi from Kenya, sharing her experience, strength, and hope about fear then and now and how she deals with that. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.